Chance time. Hi, hello, and welcome to Chance Time. You heard the theme song. It's Chance Time. Um, <laughs> I'm hosting. My name's Curtis Lowe, and with me is Paula Bills. Chance Time. And also Ryan Speakman. Chance Time. You like <laughs> popped up in your camera. I know. My, my microphone is like way down here, and... In true chance time fashion, if I move it one centimeter, it will crash and make loud noises <laughs> that no one wants to hear. And so you'll probably see me bobbing up and down. Like a boxer. There how, you go. how is this? <laughs> that's, that's a very <laughs> weird angle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's great. How are you guys doing? Great. Uh, cool. No one really knew what I was doing. Because they're all listening to this and cannot see my camera. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they get it. Yeah, they I'm sure. Yeah. What was happening? Um, that's cool. It's very cool. Um, do you feel a lot of pressure for the opening banter, Curtis? I do, and I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing to banter about. Nothing. I'm trying to think. Uh, of anything. Really? I have I have a bit of timely banter. I, I'm curious. I was going to ask this before we started recording, but I, I'll just do it now. Uh, do either of you have either of you watched Ted Lasso? Nope. Charlotte okay. has watched it. I have kind of seen passing things, but she hasn't watched the new season. It's not. I don't think it's been enough to get Apple TV again. <laughs> okay. Because, yeah, the, the season finale premiered tonight. Did you watch it? And it it may be the series finale. It's not clear. Mm. Uh, I have not watched it. Um, we started watching it just recently. Uh, well, relatively recently. And we are in the third season, but we are not at the finale yet. Okay. But, let, me, let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you think Ted Lasso is too nice? Um, I don't, but <laughs> I, th I think I live in an abnormal, abnormally nice culture. So maybe he doesn't seem too nice to me, but to other people, he might seem impossibly nice. <laughs> I, that's all I know. Is uh, he's too nice. That's the yeah, only that's thing I really I, know about the show. Soccer, yeah, right? <laughs> it's also really interesting to see most of the headlines I've seen about season three are really negative, hmm. but like they've ruined it. And I saw one headline that was literally season three is so bad. It makes me wonder if I ever liked the show. And to me, season three seems exactly on par with the first two seasons. Like it's the same. Like I don't, I don't see how you could say, like, I'm not all the way through it yet, but we have watched almost half of it, I think. You know. But it makes me wonder if people loved it, because it came out in 2020, and people were obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. And it makes me wonder if people just really needed a nice guy in 2020, <laughs> and now people are like, oh, this is too much. <laughs> Get over they it. They don't need any down. things in their lives at this point. <laughs> yeah. The world's perfect now. I don't need any more wholesome shows. I mean, my yeah. hot take is that 
MCU right now is pretty much the same quality as MCU. Ooh, yeah. It's always been, but it seems to be a similar sentiment that now each movie is garbage to people. And <laughs> right. how could they ever think that people would want to watch yeah. this or stuff like that? So, yeah, I watched Ant-Man this weekend, finally. And I was expecting it to be so bad. And Modoc was kind of dumb, but the movie as a whole, I thought was good. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I think keep like, yeah, well, I, yeah, it just feels like there's always something that could be done a little bit better to make it excellent. Yeah. It almost feels like to me that they're almost good, like almost not almost good, almost excellent. Right. And that's almost more frustrating when they're good, but it was like if you just change a few things and then it'd be like really great. That's almost more frustrating. I mean, yeah. it feels so close. Mm. Except well, it makes me wonder. Except Love and Thunder. <laughs> and then like that one. <laughs> it makes me wonder if, like, the, <laughs> if the delay on the Marvels will actually help it. I mean, the Marvels already has such a hole to climb out of for some reason because people just hate brie larson like yeah so many people are are fueled in the morning by waking up to hate brie larson even more but why i don't i don't know is it's it because it was a she loves people animal just animal movie because it was a <laughs> she likes animal crossing <laughs> i don't know it's a whole other now thing. there's three of them what are they gonna do yeah but i just wonder if they pur- like delayed it on purpose, right? To make it better. And like you're saying, Curtis, I agree with you. I think a lot of them are like, it made it to the finish line, but there wasn't time to to really push it because it, it's they got to get them out the door. And so they purposely delayed the Marvels. I wonder if, if it'll make any difference. Yeah. If it'll feel different, if it'll feel like it had extra love and care. Um, I just yeah. wanted on the record that I think Thor Love and Thunder is good. I just want everyone to know that. <laughs> I think we've had the same debate before on and this I, very uh, podcast. I want everyone to know that I stand in the same exact, <laughs> exact position. Right. I will say, though, I liked Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I think it is the worst Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Mm. So I also want that hot take to be processed by everybody yeah who's I, I, I can see that though yeah. i don't know to me they're all three of them are so good it's like oh it's the worst one but it's like but it's, it's still really good <laughs> like, yeah you know. and, and that's the thing it's good but i i think i have more nitpicks about it than any of the other ones and including the holiday special i think is better i never watched that one i, like I feel that. like the third one moved really fast Maybe that was, I don't know, the plot. Uh, what's the word? Pasting. Maybe it was just a little too mm-hmm. quick. Mm, yeah. I feel like there was always moments, you know, because those characters, James Gunn did a good job in all the movies that he directed with those guys of like <clears throat> giving them moments to like character to character to get to know each other, to make their personality shine and their relationship shine and everything. And I feel like this one was a little moving along a little too quick. Mm. I can see that. Uh, before yeah. we, we move on from TV and movies and then get into video games. <laughs> Although, 
we all know the rules of Mike Struckerberg's one thing. <laughs> we might not get into video games for a while. But <laughs> circling back to Apple TV, have you watched Severance, Paul? Has that made it to your list yet? No, we haven't watched Severance. I'm more nervous about that one. Like that it might be too intense for me or for us. That's fair. I I would say it's not as intense as other shows you've probably seen. Okay. Um but that is a show that will get me to pay for Apple TV again. Just for the season mm. two alone. For season two. Wow. Yeah. It is I've heard only good, good things yeah. about that. Yeah. So yeah. Have you Any... guys watched Succession? No, that one seems like a little much for me. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really watched either. I just know people talk uh, about it. <laughs> Sister in law of the show, Terry, loves Succession. So I hear it's, it's in the community, but I yeah. haven't watched it. Terry, send us a long voicemail about all your thoughts on Succession. We'll play it on the show. <laughs> Just hold our phone up to one of our microphones and just play it. Cool. I have nothing else to really add to this conversation personally because I really don't watch any TV, honestly. But uh, I hear big about update. a lot of cool shows, so that's cool. Big update. I don't know what happened, but Tears of the Kingdom has officially been dethroned on Open Critic. And Mario Odyssey is back to being the number one game of all time. Really? Um, Open critic. And did it in the superior game one. <laughs> Everyone's favorite, Mario Odyssey. Mario Odyssey. So, yeah. Because they some... don't have a weapon degradation system in Mario Odyssey. Mm, that's oh my true. God. How hilarious would that be if your cap exploded halfway <laughs> through the game? Your cap is badly damaged. <laughs> There's this like a throw it on a goomba and it goes, shatters. <laughs> well, congrats to Mario Odyssey. He's so cool. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh man. Start starting strong. <laughs> All right. So let's start with first things first before we get to other things. We gotta firstly talk about our first things. Sponsored by Mike Struckerberg. Who wants to go first for your first thing? <laughs> Uh, I, I want to go first. Wow, this is rare. Paul never wants to go. I first. know, <laughs> I know. But I, mine's quick, so I'm still playing Zelda. That that's great. But let's let's talk about something I've gone back to. Uh, so no one remembers, but PlayStation has a rewards program called PlayStation Stars, mm-hmm. and. I realized after pre-ordering Street Fighter 6 that I actually have a good amount of PlayStation Stars points built up and I'm pretty close to a free $20 gift card. Oh wow. So I didn't know you could get I, gift cards with those. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a $5 gift card for like 1000 points and then a $20 gift card for 5000 points. Um and then there's there's also like just games you can buy with points. Like that Dredge game is a, a game you can buy just with PlayStation Stars points. Anyway, so because of that, I started looking at the PlayStation Stars like missions because some of them give you free points. Like the main way to get points is to buy things on the PlayStation Store. 
Classic. You can also get points. Yeah, you can also get points by doing the the little missions. And one of the little missions was like play one of these games, and it was like indie hits. Um, and one of them was Sifu. My my old nemesis, Sifu. <laughs> um, so I was like, you know what? I never did that like arenas mode that they added as like free DLC. So I'll download it and I'll try that and I'll get my PlayStation points. And I have either lost the skills more than I thought, or the arenas mode in Sifu is way harder than even the very difficult game that I already played through and platinumed. Like, there's like a whole, like, basically three stars you can get. The You can pass the challenge, or you can do pretty well, or you can do really well, and you get like one, two, or three uh stamps basically and the stamps are how you open up new arenas angry bird style yeah so not only can i not get three stamps i can't even get through the stupid challenge i can't even pass it like i did the first one i got three stamps on the first one i can get one stamp on the second one i can't even finish the third one and there's five in the first arena, and there's like eight arenas. Oh my gosh. And I can't even finish the challenge, let alone get the three stamps. I was just like, whoa. Either, like, like I said, I either have forgotten way more than I thought about this game, or these are just like ridiculous. <laughs> I can't decide which one it is. I but... wonder if each arena is supposed to recreate the whole experience of the game. <laughs> of the game, the whole <laughs> maddening, like... But yeah, like, there's, there's like a mini-boss in the third challenge of the first arena that I swear is harder than any of the actual bosses. Like, oh, wow. I can't figure out the pattern of what you're supposed to do to not just get absolutely destroyed by him. It has been a while since I played the game, so like I said, maybe if I had played the game more recently... I'd have more of the skills. Um, but yeah, I was just like shocked. And, you know, I have Zelda to play and Street Fighter Six comes out tomorrow. So I probably won't be going back to Sifu anytime soon. I got my points, but mostly I just got shocked that, <laughs> holy crap, this is way harder. <laughs> so if anyone out there has played Sifu and has done well in those arenas, let us know because uh, I will super respect you. <laughs> That's it. That's my one thing. We did it. Wow. PlayStation Stars. Get excited. I'm going to get $20 for free. Yeah. All I got was like a dinosaur trophy. <laughs> Not even that. I, I just checked. I have like 150 points. <laughs> so I don't buy enough play anything on there. Um, I don't know why I have so many. I haven't bought that many games. Are you playing Fortnite on there? Yes. Are you and I have spent some money bucks? on Fortnite. Not so a lot, but I have made I have made a few small Fortnite purchases. Okay. So I guess it adds up over time. Well yeah. if you're playing other games too, that probably helps. Because I don't, yeah. All I've really played on my PS5 is Elden Ring. <laughs> I haven't right. really branched out a whole lot. 
Well, and my my kid plays games like crazy. And now that we have the the extra subscription, he's downloading and opening stuff like crazy. And a lot of the missions are download and and play something. Yeah. You know, and all you have to do is like start it and you finish the mission. So he's probably finished a bunch for me without me even realizing. <laughs> he did shout out to my son, my son Ryan, former guest of the show. Finished all of Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Wow. I never touched the controller once. He did the whole thing. Wow. So he's done it. I think that's the first game that he has truly done entirely on his own. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you think he bought Free trophies for me? Do you think he bought the ultimate edition of Mortal Kombat 11 and that got you a bunch of points? <laughs> he's he's sneaking out at night and he's learning the combos. Fatality. Well, he only put that pre-order in. That's why you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> oh no, it's not 11. It's 1. 1 is the one, one that's coming. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, he probably did. You know, he's like, ooh, a fighting game. I've played like two of those. I like them all. <laughs> and that purchase is going to lead to a lot of therapy. <laughs> Sorry, kiddo. <laughs> I didn't protect you. <laughs> all right. I'll go if that's okay, Curtis. Yeah, go for it. I talked about it last week. I mean, I've, uh, well, before I get to my main one thing, I got to get to my preliminary two other one things. <laughs> uh, Tears of the Kingdom update. I accidentally got the Master Sword way earlier than I think I should have. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, it just kind of all worked out in one fell swoop, and I was like, wow, I guess I have the Master Sword now. Uh, and then a few hours later I finally got the auto build function which I still didn't mm. have yeah. uh, so that's great uh, the Zora mission that was my favorite gimmick so far if people have done that one um, I haven't okay, both of you haven't I still have not done any of those dungeon things, any any of those. Okay. <laughs> Out of the two I've I done, built a raft that was my across the ocean. That was fun. <laughs> I mean, that's more impressive than anything. <laughs> um, I've done two temples, but I still do not even have the camera function. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I'm taking and pictures left all, right. And I've unlocked all the towers. Okay, I also did all the towers, uh, and that was fun. The one that made me the most mad was the mushroom guy, who's like, give me some mushrooms in that cave. Yeah, that really confused me. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I gotta talk about is a little game called Bread and Fred. <laughs> Have you guys heard of this game? No. I, I feel like I heard from it. About it from you when I looked at it on Steam. Yeah. It looks funny. I have been keeping my eye on this game for a long time and it finally came out last week. And of course, the poor victim who I made play it with me was my dear sweet wife, Charlotte. 
uh, who we had a very fun time playing it. And then the second uh, day we played it, it was a little more frustrating because it's pretty much Bennett Foddy style. You are scaling this Mm. large mountain type thing. And if you fall, you could potentially lose a lot of progress. Mm. Uh, But instead of the weird controls of Bennett Foddy, it is a co-op game. You are two penguins who are tied together with a rope. And you must hold on, grab on things, swing around to gain momentum to get higher and higher up this mountain. And it is very fun. I, uh, we were having a good time. Uh, but then there were a few times where we basically got pretty far and then fell far enough where we had to start from the very beginning again. And I think those were the times where, uh, one or both of us, maybe were just like, all right, that's enough of this game for the day. Um, but yeah, gotta mention it. I do want to play more uh, in the future. So, Brett and Fred, look up a trailer. You'll get the gist of what it's all about. Um, but the thing that I talked about last week that I gotta talk about, I did get my new monitor, and it is cool. That's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, Ultra wide is really cool uh if you're wondering bread and fred did utilize ultra wide uh, <laughs> uh i i i tested out a bunch of games i tested out forza horizon 4 i tested out rocket league if you're on the diagonal uh after someone scored you can actually see the other cars who are also positioned diagonally without moving your camera. So utilizes wow. that in an interesting way. Um, the When games don't support ultra-wide, it doesn't really bother me. A lot of people online say, like, I just can't stand when games don't support it because of those black bars on the side. For me, it's not really a big deal. It's just like looking at a normal monitor uh so but for some people that's an issue um i didn't realize that so this monitor also has hdr which i've never experienced before and i didn't realize it was turned off and i was like i mean this monitor is better than my old one but it's not great and then i realized oh hdr is not on let me try that and then I did notice a difference. Things look a lot clearer. The way, it, whatever it does with the mm. colors and stuff, like it is really cool. Um, and so that is a feature I hope to utilize uh, more often. I too pre-ordered Street Fighter VI. I'm hoping that it kind of makes things pop on that. Um, Ultra wide Street Fighter VI. Oh, they man. said that it's not going to support that. Oh, okay. But it's... I guess. Yeah, they said fighting games generally don't do it. Yeah, it just is, what would that even do? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 
Um, I also tried Abzu. I talked about this last week too. That that was a game people said really utilizes the or the ultra wide well, and that's a that's a fun little game. I didn't finish it, but Charlotte also picked it up and and played, and she was having a good time swimming around. Uh, like you just were swimming around and lots of bright colors, saving whales, all sorts of good stuff. Do you, does it make you more excited about Sword of the Sea, the new game by the same people? Um, remind me which one that is. <laughs> is that the, it's the like, snowboarding? Like Yeah, you're the like desert? on a hover sword. Yeah, yeah, you're like snowboarding on a sword. Yeah. Yeah. I. Maybe. I. (laughs) I I like a short game, and Abzu's like two hours long. And so I'll probably pop back in and and finish it. Um, And it looks beautiful. I always wanted to play Journey, but never got to it. So Sword in the Sea will probably be one that I. I do. Yeah. Um, I wonder if the Pathless. Their their other game also is good on ultra wide. It's not the Pathless isn't like as eye popping as Abzu. Mm, yeah, uh, I bet it would still be cool. Yeah, the thing about ultra wide is it's like it's cool and it's it is nice when a game uses it and it makes you feel good about purchasing an ultra wide monitor, but it's not like. It's not something I'm going to preach to everybody. Like, you got to get an ultra-wide monitor. I, I think it is. Right. It's nice to use that screen real estate. Another one I've heard that I didn't try was Stardew Valley uses the ultra-wide. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and you do all your form. Exactly. <laughs> and so, like, there's stuff like that that, like, I could see why people would want that, but if you play Stardew Valley enough, you kind of get a lay of the land and know, I guess maybe you're going to, if there's like a seasonal item that only appears on the ground, you might see it better and then be like, Oh, I need to go out of my way to get that. Uh, But rocket league, I think was the most useful one that I saw. Um, And, it is kind of nice just seeing more of the game, especially like I'm tempted on a sale to get Spider-Man because all the PlayStation ones that have been released on PC have supported ultra wide. And so like getting like a cool open world game kind of seems interesting to me of like being able to see more to the side and like being able to explore more. But I already played Spider-Man, so maybe I'll look into something else. But, like, Death Stranding is another one that I was like, oh, it's a PlayStation game. I will probably buy that on PlayStation. But now that I have the ultra-wide monitor, that's one that I'm considering. Like, it's got ultra-wide support, and it's, like, a big, expansive world. Maybe that one would be a better one to to try out on my computer now. And so, I don't know. It's a... Uh, it's cool. The monitor is nicer than my old one too, so that was the most important thing I was looking for. <laughs> yes, so that that helps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do have a switch docked plug plugged into it. I have not tried 
my Switch on it yet, but I'm excited to see how bad my Switch looks on it. I would assume you could just set the resolution, right? To so it has the black bars. I think so it will just stretch it out. Automatically have the black bars. Yeah. But for some reason staring this monitor in the face makes me think that I'll be able to see things more clearly. Whereas when I'm playing on a TV, it's far enough away where I'm like, the Switch looks great. It's as good as the PlayStation 5. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> I can confirm. I know everyone's curious, but another game that's nice on an ultra-wide monitor is League of Legends. Oh, that's good to know. Because I know that's important to you, right? It is. So. How'd I let you know? I gotta be toxic somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> Are there any games that's like the ultra wide is like a legitimately unfair advantage, but like the pros would only have ultra wide? Because honestly, League was honestly nice because you can you can see more of the map right. as you're playing, and so if you have things warded in the enemy jungle or whatever, you can catch. A lot easier instead of staring at your mini map the whole time you can actually see stuff on the edges of your screen which can be helpful right. especially for when you're in the mid lane i thought but yeah that was the only game that i was like oh this is really nice to have ultra white actually but i also played because i have an ultra wide monitor from work but it mm -hmm. only goes up to 60 frames per second um hey, that's which kind of bugs me and it's also not curved and I feel like an ultra wide monitor needs to be curved. Otherwise, looking at the edges of the screen feels yeah, like you you're, can't. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of weird. I don't know. It like messes with your brain a little bit. Um, so then I ended up buying another monitor that has just it's a better picture and the uh, frame rate, the refresh rate technically is a lot better and everything. So <clears throat> it's now my main monitor. But yeah, I played control on the ultra wide and it was fine. But it was like, I don't know. It wasn't like a whole, what do you call it? It wasn't revolutionary or anything like that. Right. But yeah, that's cool though. And I, I did do a quick Google of ultra wide monitor unfair advantage. Uh, the first Reddit post is a guy saying first person shooters, the image is more zoomed mm -hmm. in, so it's easier to click. Uh, there's stuff. like more area to click on someone's head yeah that's what they say that makes sense they posted i feel that. like basically any competitive game <laughs> could be helpful but like you don't see pros better, playing on ultra wide right like i don't think they do yeah that's true oh. but maybe maybe there's like league rules for like pro valorant and pro whatever that's like you can't yeah. use ultra wide i that don't might know be the case I'm curious. I'm Googling now. Mm, people are saying the same thing about... It seems like map-based games are the ones that people are like... Age of Empires 4 is what I'm looking at right now. People are saying that it's... Uh, you can see more. Yeah. yeah. And and click on more things at mm, once without having to move. Yeah. That's what I was saying. I guess this is one, if, if anyone in the audience knows anything about this or has opinions, please let us know in the Discord or email us. I'm very curious if there's strong opinions on this out there. Yeah, I I will ask potential future guests who uh, has some experience 
in this area. Maybe maybe they have a an opinion. Yeah. We won't spoil the future guests because it's not scheduled. <laughs> so, um, I do also want to say real quick, it is like having your own personal movie theater in front of you at all mm-hmm. times, and it is ridiculous to look at especially compared to my my old monitor. Um, I will say that my computer doesn't take full advantage of it. It, uh, At least what people are saying, my specs will only get up to max like 70 FPS on it. Um, And because it's ultra-wide, maybe a little less, but as long as I'm getting 60, I'm not too worried. And... None of the games I've tried so far have slowed down or done anything weird in any way. So, yeah. uh, I think the extra frame rate's nice on the competitive games, though. Yeah, that's true. But other than that, I feel like 60 is great. Yeah. I mean, the frames I get while I'm swinging my pickaxe in Stardew makes enough of a difference because you've only got that time limit before you have to go to bed. <clears throat> So if you can get a few more rocks, yeah. geode action in there, a little better. <laughs> geode action. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for my three things. Oh, man. <laughs> Here, I got a show and tell for my thing. Okay. Because that's going to work well. I don't know where to hang this yet, but you guys have heard of this plate? This is yeah. Get out of your monitor. It's not any better. Um, I can't wife, tell what map Jay, it is. Got is it, it for me for my Avatar? birthday. No, it's Elden Ring. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so that's exciting. I don't know like, why. Has, I'm any, has anyone confirmed that Elden Ring and Avatar do not have the same map? Like, what if that was the biggest Easter egg of all? That would actually be really cool. <laughs> I think a lot more people would you play see this cloud right here. This is actually the. Central Air Temple. <laughs> you can't see it because it's in the clouds. Here's the northern one. <laughs> the other ones, I don't remember what side that's on. I, I just saw very the, secretive. the red island, and I thought that was Fire Nation. This one over here? Yeah. This place sucks. <laughs> Anyone who's played it will be like, yeah, that place is the worst. Um, <laughs> but anyway, another thing that I got for my birthday, I like having... My family is Curtis, the best. What's up? Why don't I? Why did I forget your birthday? <laughs> I didn't know it was my birthday either. Thing. Oh, you guys remember? No. Um, <laughs> but I just got cool things, and I'm excited about it. So I want to talk about it. Um, <clears throat> so first, yeah, Wait, that poster. When, when was your actual birthday? I don't know if I've ever Saturday. known the date of your birthday. It's the 27th. Yeah. 27th of May. Okay. Yeah. Gotta lock that in. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm pretty bad at birthdays, but last time, the last couple of times, I feel like you've done something. And yeah. so I was able to remember. Yeah. And this year I didn't do anything because we were going to be gone that weekend. It's, Memorial, it's always like Memorial Day weekend. So it's always like, yeah. am I even going to be home? Maybe not. If I am going to be home, are other people going to be home? I never know. And on Thursday, last Thursday, I also sprained my ankle playing basketball. And we were going to go to Bear Lake, nice. but it was raining really hard Bear Lake the whole weekend, too. So then on top of that, with my ankle, I'm like, now nah, we're just, we didn't do anything, really. <laughs> so, <laughs> But yeah, um, 
yeah, so I didn't really do anything. But I got that cool metal poster. So I'm excited about it. Um, I've always kind of wanted a display poster because I thought they were cool and classy, depending on the um, design you get. Because a lot of them are also very... They remind me of RGB lighting and gaming PCs, but on a poster, it's just like really flashy. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, that's too much. But And then I found some that are really cool, but um, another one I wanted to get was the map of Super Mario World. But it is not an official one. That's just a rendition that someone's made, so all the colors are off, and it bugs me that the water is mm. such a deep blue. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> So I was like, no, I don't want that anymore. But all the Elden Ring on Elden Ring posters they have are like official Elden Ring designs and everything. They got um, big enough. So they look great. And I was like, the map is just cool to have on a wall. That's just classy, you know. So I have that now and I'm excited. Um and uh the other thing I got was a new solid state drive for my Steam Deck which is very exciting. I don't know if you guys remember the conversations we had a while ago. I don't remember if it was when I got the PS5 or the Steam Deck. I can't remember. But the storage thing and how I thought it was silly that people were... Um... Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll talk offline. We'll take this. We'll put a pin in that. Um, <laughs> but also, what was I saying? I forgot. Oh, yeah. And I thought it was silly how people would be like, I'm going to make my Steam Deck with four terabytes and such. Um, I am now one of those people and I have a one terabyte solid <laughs> state drive in my Steam Deck. Because I wanted, it's also, it's faster than the one that, that it came with. I had the 64 gigabyte model. Um, so just the speed's better. And that alone is a big difference. But the Corsair brand one came out recently and the price wasn't that bad for it for a whole terabyte and it wasn't that much more than a half terabyte um so i ended up with that for my birthday which is very exciting and i cracked open my steam deck and pulled the parts out not all the parts really there's like a plate wow. you have to take out and then you just plug it in and then you put it back together it really was actually really easy to the point where i was like was that wire in the right spot when I put it back together? So I took it apart twice <laughs> just to make sure because I was <laughs> paranoid. Um, but yeah, and it's exciting. And now I can install a whole bunch of games on my Steam Deck. And then I took, because so I had a 512 gigabyte SD card in there. And I'm like, well, I don't need one and a half terabytes on my Steam Deck. That's a little overkill. So now <laughs> I have that in my Switch. Oh, nice. So now that's overkill because those go. games aren't very big. Um, so now I'm downloading games that I deleted just because I can. No other reason. Um, <laughs> so maybe I'll play Animal Crossing again. And I'll go back and all the villagers like, where have you been? It's been years. <laughs> There's weeds everywhere. Um, actually, I might they, do that because I'm curious to see what they're all going to say. They make you feel up. real guilty about that. Get ready for all the guilt trips. <laughs> I'm going to go and feel guilty because it'll be fun. Um, but yeah. But the game that I ended up, for whatever reason, playing is um, on my Steam Deck is Risk of Rain 2. Fun. So I played it like a couple times. And I played it with... Actually, I don't know. Ryan, were you there? Maybe you weren't. I think it was just Nick and Wes. 
uh, I think that's recently? all it was. Yeah, it was probably like a month or two ago now. So not that recent. I, I um, don't remember ever playing with you. But okay. I've, I've played Risk of Rain 2 in enough groups that it is yeah, kind of a that's blur. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, though. And it was yeah. a lot of fun to play in a group. But holy crap, those runs go on for a long time. <laughs> I think the one I only did, I think we did one run that night because we went for like two hours before we died. Um, but on the Steam Deck, it's great because you could just play it and you can put it down, put it in sleep mode, pick it up and play it again. Um, and it's on Switch too, so you can do the same thing on Switch. So that's really nice. Uh, it's a lot of fun though. I don't know what else to say about it. It um it gives me the kick that Binding of Isaac used to, where I mm. skit I just pick up items constantly. No, oh, yeah. Just because like they're everywhere, you know. Except this one, they're literally everywhere. <laughs> and when you play by yourself, you can just open all the chests because. At least I take so much time that I make get enough money so I can open all the chests because that's what makes me happy. Um, <laughs> and then eventually I just get overpowered. But for anyone who doesn't know what Risk of Rain is, um, it's a rogue. Is it roguelite? Roguelike. A, a roguelike, yeah. Is it a roguelike? Um, yeah, that makes sense. Where you crash land on a planet. I think there might be lore or story. I don't know. I haven't paid any attention to that, but you crash land on a planet and there's a bunch of aliens and robots and stuff that come and attack you. But um, <clears throat> this one's a third person shooter, but the gist of this one or the hook, whatever you want to call it, the gimmick is that the longer you spend playing, the harder the enemies all get. The difficulty, there's a difficulty meter in the top right corner and just slowly ramping up the longer you play. So the longer you take on a level, uh, like me, <laughs> trying to open every chest that you can, um, the longer you take, the harder the game gets. So there's a risk, risk of rain, risk reward thing going on there where you can go faster, so the difficulty's not ramping up constantly on you, but you're gonna miss chests and items and stuff to get stronger and level up and all that stuff. Or you could take longer and level up and do all that kind of stuff while the difficulty's also ramping up. So. You get to make that choice, which is fun. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. My favorite character so far is the hunt Huntress, I think. The bow and arrow. Yeah, she's good. And I recently tried, I forget his name. He's a robot on wheels. I hate that guy. And I was like, this guy is so slow. He's the worst. Because <laughs> I went from playing the Huntress, where you can just literally sprint constantly. You don't really have to aim. She kind of just shoots homing arrows everywhere. So if, like... Some the enemy is like in the middle ish of your screen, she'll hit it. You don't really have to stress about it, and you can sprint while you're shooting, which is fun too. And I always, for whatever reason, end up with movement speed items, so she's just constantly sprinting everywhere on the map. And I can look for all the treasure chests, and it makes me happy. And then I played this dumb robot who's just like slowly rolling around. This <laughs> <laughs> like, is the worst. Um, but anyway, that's a good game. So if anyone likes roguelikes and wants to try one and you haven't tried this one this is a good choice um, that's it i'm playing zelda too so yeah real quick did i ever show you my my map curtis no i keep meaning to get a frame for this but you'll see why i haven't yet mm -hmm. uh when i unveil it as i go very far <laughs> away from the mic it's gonna get quiet yeah wow I think it's upside down. Probably. 
<laughs> but that's cool though. Yeah, this came with the uh, the Zelda book I got. Oh, that's really cool. It's a map of uh, Breath of the Wild. If anyone was wondering. <laughs> If you couldn't tell when you saw it. Yeah. People you, listening now. Yeah, if you were listening closely, you would have known. <laughs> That's cool. I think I saw that one on display, but again, it wasn't like an official design. And of course, we also have the picture that also ah, came with that. It's a good picture. Yeah. I enjoyed that cut a lot. Like, this is making me happy. Yeah, this display posters are cool though. I like the the just a metal poster is cool. Yeah, I like that one you and showed us. Now that I have this one, I want to buy more of them, but I don't want to buy just like that's what they want you to say. You know, I know they sent me. There's a thirty percent off code that is sent with me, and a Baby Yoda sticker that I don't want. I'm gonna give to my niece. <laughs> He's like an ice cream cone. Um, yeah. I. Before One we, whole collection now. Before we move on to the topic, I've been dying to know this whole time. What is that yellow box in the corner of your screen, Curtis? <laughs> oh, that one? Yeah. Um, That is a game called Pie Face. Okay. I don't know why it's in here. I think Brooks, <laughs> my two-year-old, I think he got it out and was playing with it while I was working today. It's a game where there's a hand, a plastic hand, and then like a frame for your face, and then you put whipped cream in the hand, uh-huh. and then you have a spinner, and the spinner tells you how many times you have to crank the handle. Yes. And then it's Russian roulette, basically, but you get whipped cream in your face <laughs> instead of something else in your head. Um, so yeah, that's all it is. Okay. It's I a was... great way to put it. It's a Russian roulette for kids. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a cereal box this whole time, and I was like... That's kind of a black one. <laughs> that also wouldn't surprise me. I could see my kid like bringing a Cheerio box or something into my office and then just leaving it there. Um, but yeah, yeah. And Tears of the Kingdom is still very good. And I still haven't done any story stuff. But I did find, because uh, we reached, who was it? I can't remember who put it in the dis in the Discord, but um. <clears throat> You can actually find all the amiibo items and the DLC items from Breath of the Wild, right? Yeah, that was Stanimal. That's what it was. Um, shout out to Stanimal. Um, I after he said that, I found a a cool place in Tears of the Kingdom, and did a hard thing, and I was like, "This is better than <laughs> worth it." And then I opened a chest, and it was worth it, and it was one of the DLC <laughs> items from Breath of the Wild, and I was very excited. Yeah, that's cool. <clears throat> Yeah, that's all I've done. I just keep going back to cool places that existed in Breath of the Wild to see what they're like now. And I haven't been disappointed yet. Every time I'm like, oh. Or sometimes I get frustrated by what happened there. <laughs> Not because it was a bad thing, but I guess bad things happen to it. I don't know. I can't explain that without <laughs> spoiling anything. Anyway. Speaking of Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom and Elden Ring with my cool I have now. And Pie Face. (laughs) Speaking of Pie Face. um, 
we today are going to talk about open world games. Everyone's favorite type of game. <laughs> I love them. They're the best. I wish real I life was best, open. But... <laughs> I wish I could go anywhere outside. <laughs> I wish I could talk to people in the real world. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I wish I had well-written NPCs outside. Um, that makes me I... sound like the, all my neighbors are boring. <laughs> I do often point to mountains and be like, you see that mountain? I could go there if I wanted to. <laughs> I could go there and climb it if I really wanted to. Um, but really, though, I'm just curious because it seems like, at least in terms of, well, I don't know, maybe multiplayer games, too, in terms of Battle Royale, and it's a big map, and you can go anywhere on Battle Royale maps, too, technically. Like, why Why are open world games so popular? Because <laughs> really, I didn't think about that. Like, Fortnite and stuff is like an open world shooter, like online shooter. Why does everyone love these so much, you know? I think yeah. uh, it's from the beginning, those were the games that blew people's minds were the games that you had a sense of freedom in them and i think of kind of like the original zelda on, on the nes mm -hmm. like people kind of talk about how it was crazy that they could just like do things in different orders or explore the world place bombs in different places to see if they could like unlock things and I, I feel like that is the same essence in an open world game but cranked up to the max of there's so much more to do and you can kind of choose to play your way and I, I think a lot of people like I, I make fun of myself sometimes because I am more of a checklist gamer sometimes where like I like a big checklist and the easier it is for me to check all the items off the list, I kind of get a sense of enjoyment out of that. And so I feel overwhelmed by open world games, but I feel like we learn from something like tears of the kingdom. Most people don't care about the checklist of items. Most people just want to build something cool. They want to like discover something new, uh, and so I think like creating like creating an environment where you can do things that set you apart from how other people play. I don't know. The discovery is really cool of figuring stuff out on your own. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm rambling at this point. Paul, say something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was gonna say and any time where the one of the goals of the game is immersion, the open world format is one of the best tools to achieve that. Uh, you know, if if your goal is I want someone to just get to get lost in this world and feel like they're living in it. That's what open world is for, and it that's what it achieves when it's done well is 
it makes it feel like like you were saying, Ryan, with I can do whatever I want, it makes it feel like this is a world I want to live in and and I get to live in it. Um, and so the most successful open world games have some aspect of that fantasy of I want to live here, I want to be there, I want to be a part of that. So like Assassin's Creed, I want to live in history. Also, I want to yeah, kill. Example. I want to. I want to kill without consequence. <laughs> uh, simulation. Yeah, and then Grand Theft Auto. You know, it's like the basically the purge mentality. Are I want to be able to do whatever the heck I want. World games just murder <laughs> fantasies. <laughs> I'm sure that there's counterexamples. Uh, <laughs> But like, let's go back yeah. to Zelda. Yeah, Zelda Zelda's is like, I, I want to live in a fantasy world and, and have it feel like. I think the, the core fantasy of Zelda is exploration yeah. rather than murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to discover things and I want to find things. And yeah, so there's just there's no like that's what the open world has achieved is it, it feels seamless. It feels like I, I really am stepping into the simulation um you know one of the i mean open worlds do sometimes have loading screens but it seems like a goal of almost every open world game is to have the least amount of loading screens possible so that you never interrupt the illusion yeah um mm -hmm. it's the matrix idea it's i want to fully live in it and back to the point of murder fantasies, me personally, actually, most open world games I've played, I do not want to really live in that world. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I had the choice to actually be a Viking or to play Assassin's Creed Valhalla and live now, I would pick live now and play Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I don't actually want to be a Viking. But I guess that's part of it, too. It's you get to you get to be deep in that world, but not have the dangers of that world, you know, not have the. Yeah have it feel fun and detached um but i uh, there's i mean this is getting really academic but bear with me for a second there's this idea in greek literature of the oh. unities <laughs> just kidding continue <laughs> you are familiar with the thought experiment <laughs> perfect usage perfect usage um, but the Greeks, the ancient Greeks, really, there was the unity. So you had to have unity of time, unity of place. And I think there was another one, but I can't remember. But basically, Greek plays, everything had to happen in real time. So, like, if the play was two hours long, you could only depict two hours of events. And everything had to happen in real time. And they would get around this by having people, like, explain things. So it was still real time, but they're like telling a story about the past. Mm -hmm. And actually, in God of War Ragnarok, um, there is a dialogue at one point where I can't remember the name of the, the severed head guy, um, but he makes fun of Kratos because he says, like, why are the Greeks, like, why do they do this? There's so many just talking, boring people in their 
stories and and kratos explains to him the unities he says like our people believe like it was important that everything happened uh in real time and actually god of war tries to achieve the unities with the one shot thing um yeah and that is a direct homage to to the the idea of the unities the fact that it all happens in real time in front of you anyway the reason i bring all this up is because I think the open world is that idea. It's like the unity. It's everything is connected. Everything is is real because it's real open space and you can explore it and you can, you know, it's not levels that live in separate space. It's it's all one interconnected world that's we woven together and and that makes it feel whole. And so I think it's it's in a way trying to achieve the same goal as the Greek unities. It's unified the experience. So everything is in one. So it all feels like, again, this perfect world that you've entered and there's no seams. There's no um, pockets, I guess. I don't know what metaphor to use, but it's all one cohesive thing. And so you can just yeah. fully be in it. That was beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been chance time. <laughs> um, no, that makes sense. And I feel like, I mean, if you guys disagree, let me know. But I feel like this has kind of been a goal of video games since the beginning. Yeah. And using the first Legend of Zelda is a good example of that. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard the story of Miyamoto and making Zelda was him like. Uh, what was it? Kind of trying to recreate the joy of adventure he felt as a kid, just exploring up in the mountains and the woods yeah. and stuff in his mm-hmm. by his house, you know, and just as a kid, just seeing a trail and wondering what's down that trail, kind of a thing. Um, that's what the Zelda. That's what inspired the Legend of Zelda, which is really cool to me. And that's kind of like for a lot of games, that's always been a goal and i think what makes them so interesting now is that now that the technology is to where we have now tears of the kingdom the newest zelda to where there's sky islands and you can just jump off and drop all the way back down to the main map of hyrule there's no loading screens nothing you can just sit there and watch them fall and like scope out places of that look interesting while you fall and then whip out your glider and fly over there. Like it's all, you know, like you said, there's no loading screens. It's all immersive. And that's pretty incredible how far yeah. we've come to think about it that way. And I've never even thought about it until you said that. But like, imagine like we're so spoiled. And like, imagine if there were loading screens, it was like you jump off and then it like yeah. fades like the to midpoint. Black. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, man, that would suck. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, what's the what's the can you guys think of the first game you played that made you feel like open world? It doesn't have to necessarily be like this is classified as an open world game. Um, but the first one that he gave you that sense of like adventure, like, yeah, I kind of want I just want to go explore everything in this game. I mean, it's hard for me not to say the Zelda games. Uh, 
That was my answer too. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> I mean, each each one, like I wanted to spend a good amount of time doing everything but the story. Uh yeah. especially when they were games, like especially as a kid, like the sense of wonder was bigger to me than now, I think. <laughs> uh and like it was funnier to like tell your friends like hey, check out, like, this crazy thing I was able to pull off, or, like, not not an example, but, like, not, not a good example of open worlds, but, like, I can't tell you how many hours in Majora's Mac Mask I spent just playing the ocarina and, like, looking up videos online to see which song I could play and, like, be like, oh, I learned the Star Wars theme on the ocarina. Check this out. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, but, like, I feel like the N64 was a good era for me of, like, I had a limited amount of games, and I would either hit a stopping point where I just couldn't, it was too hard for me to get past that point, and so I would go back and explore everything else in the games banjo kazooie comes to mind right now where i i poured hours in a banjo kazooie but i never actually got to the final boss battle until i was like a teenager but i probably spent so much time just exploring the levels that seemed huge at the time and yeah uh, I feel like there was a lot of N64 games where the first time I was able to traverse a 3D space, it kind of felt bigger and more open and there was more possibilities of what I could do. So I guess that's my answer. Thanks. Paul, do you have one? Yeah, this is kind of out of left field, but I think the first time I truly felt like this game is a whole world for me to explore and who knows what's out there for me to find was i don't even remember for sure if it was two or three but i think it was might and magic two oh. my my computer in my house when i was really young we had like this one cd that was just a bunch of random games and I freaking worshipped that CD because it was like the only video games I had access to as a child. <laughs> and one of the games on there was, again, I actually am not sure if it's two or three. I, I looked up both to try to look at images, and I think it's two. Um, Might and Magic 2, which is, is barely... Heroes of Might and Magic? No. No, okay. It, Might and I Magic I can't remember. Two... I feel like those are two different things. I couldn't yeah. remember, though. Mind Magic 2 Gates to Another World. I Googled it. I, I think it was that one. Um, but um, it's like barely a step beyond a text adventure. It's basically like a text adventure, but they put some images on the screen. But it's still like go left, go right, go west, go south, or whatever. And we never made it very far in that game. And I think that's part of what contributed to the illusion in my young mind that was like, we can't figure it out. But we know like 
you start in this town and you can and you know there's like a whole world to go explore and there's the whole like you can become more and more powerful and and I don't even remember the specifics but I remember thinking like this is a whole world and I want to explore it I want to figure it out I want to conquer it um but I never did because <laughs> I was like 8 years old or whatever and didn't really get how games like that worked so i would always die in the town <laughs> never really make <laughs> it out but i feel like that that's the game <clears throat> the first game i remember playing that felt like like i could just be fully in this world you know and that was part of the goal of the game was just to feel like you were there um so there was a lot of details of just like you know people talking to you and descriptions and and extra little things just to make it feel like it was a world that doesn't really add to the game at all it's just details um and i feel like that's a huge part of open world games and like ryan mentioned like the ocarina and stuff i feel like side activities are actually a huge part of open worlds and and i think a lot of open world games live and die by how well they pack it with like non-essential things to do like that um because it adds to that to the immersion if you know makes you want to spend more time there uh yeah some of my favorite parts of some open world games are side activities so i think that's actually a really important part no that makes sense it's interesting trying to remember the heroes of might and magic come after might and magic then they're related somehow, right? Yeah. Heroes of Modern Magic related. is what I grew up playing with my brothers when they would I, let me. I was yeah, pretty I, little, and they always thought I took too long on my turn, so they wouldn't let me play. I'm, my mom yeah, told me to. I think Heroes of Might and Magic, yeah, is like a spin-off. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. That's what Wikipedia says, anyway. Dang, there was a Might and Magic 10 that came out in 2014. I didn't know that. Wow. You gotta play it. Yeah. You gotta live in that world, Paul. Uh, I gotta, gotta conquer it. That's funny. That's cool. Um, well, I wonder if it was any good. I don't remember hearing anything about it. To just share mine real quick. Yeah, go um, ahead. <clears throat> uh, mine was also Zelda, but it was specifically Wind Waker. Um, for whatever reason the feeling of when you get your boat, right? What's his name? Red Lion. And you get your sail and you can take off and go sailing. And then the music swells, you know, and then it's just like, this is an adventure. And you just see an island. And I'm, I just remember thinking, I'm going to go to all these islands and see what's on every single one. <laughs> and just, I remember that one looking back now. I mean, it's, it's not a big map <laughs> compared to what we have now. It's tiny, but as a kid, I was probably, I don't know, 10 years old, just seeing an island like off in the distance and realizing I can sail all the way over there, get off on my boat and just go check it out. If I want to do that, I could go check out all of these islands if I wanted to. Um, that was the first time I was like, I could, yeah, I can go anywhere. And that's really cool. And having the boat as like for traversal, you know, was really cool to me too. I don't know why I 
like Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask didn't do that for me with Epona. Maybe it's just because you could only ride her in Hyrule Field. So there really wasn't a lot of like space to ride her. And then when you're like, I want to go on Death Mountain, you end up getting off Epona and then like going through the village. And then it suddenly felt more linear. I don't know. But for whatever reason, having a boat to sail on, you know, having your own vehicle or way of means of transportation was a big deal to me. And I think, I don't know. When I think of like what makes an open world game good, and this is subjective, I think, because I think this is maybe why I never had a good time, or maybe I had a hard time getting into something like Skyrim. But traversal to me is really important in an yes. open world game. 100% agree. And now that I'm saying all this out loud, that makes sense why Wind Waker would be my first one. I was like, this is cool. I can go anywhere because I had a boat. I could take my, my boat anywhere, you know? Um, and another one that was more recent that made me realize how important traversal is in an open world game was Spider-Man. Yeah. Because to me, just web swinging through New York and through Manhattan, it was just so much fun. I don't think... I fast traveled once that entire game until like the very end. I wanted to get like some achievement because I was close to platinuming it. Platinuming it. That's a new verb. Um, <clears throat> so I finally, like, I think I finally fast traveled because I had to like go do one specific small thing. And I remember being like, oh, there's a like subway cutscene. You take the subway. Yeah. Like, I had no idea. I did there's not a know bunch that of them. They're actually pretty funny, a lot of them. <laughs> Yeah, I had no idea that was a thing. I was just so used to web swinging everywhere. And now in Tears of the Kingdom, I'm doing the same thing. I mentioned this in our Discord chat that, like, I don't, I try not to fast travel because it's so much more fun to me to build something and find my own way around and giving me the tools to build ships and airships and cars and whatever the heck I want to get around is just so much more fun to me. And the towers are really cool in this one because they launch you up in the air and then you can glide somewhere. And it's not like right. this whole tedious thing of either climbing up to the tower or in Breath of the Wild yeah, or uh, fast traveling to the tower and jumping off. Like, I don't even need to fast travel to the tower anymore to get somewhere faster. I can just I can drive to it in my cool car I just built and then launch myself up into the air. And it's great. Like, is there anything else? Paul, you mentioned already, like side activities and how important those mm -hmm. are, too. Um, are there anything else that you think is important in terms of an open world game? What makes the one good? Uh, I really just want to interject because it goes right off what you just said. I yeah. think fast traveling is a must in an open world game. Oh, yes. Yeah. I and think it is. It's fair, yeah. <laughs> I am a fast traveling fiend, and I... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it generous fast travel some of them it's like really limited fast travel points and that can really depending on how the rest of the game's designed if there's only a few fast travel points it can be really annoying when trying to do yeah. certain things yeah but i yeah. i do think uh tears of the kingdom and spider-man are the exceptions to that rule in a way even though i prefer there to be fast traveling because they nailed how fun it is to kind of like traverse yeah. the world. I think it's nice that there is like the option to like, say, I don't want to use this. 
Um, yeah, and I think I agree that the option does need to be there. And like one of my favorite open world games, Elden Ring, I use fast travel a lot on that one because if you didn't have fast travel, like that would be miserable to have to hike <laughs> everywhere through all the freaking monsters right. that want to murder you. Like, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as to get to back to your question, an essential part of open world games that has really, like the envelope keeps getting pushed on this, I think, is side quests. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of open world games, I feel like, are judged almost more on how good are the side quests versus how good is the main quest. Um, people made such a big deal when The Witcher 3 came out that, like, holy crap, these side quests are amazing. And that was part yeah. of, like, why that game was so well-received. That's all I ever hear about that game, too. I don't hear, yeah. like, anyone talk about the main quest besides, <laughs> it's not as good as a side quest. That's all I ever hear about the main quest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think side quests or equivalent, like maybe they're not literally called side quests, but like side stories and other things to discover are essential. And then uh, I'll just say, I'll call it secrets, like things to Mm -hmm. find that aren't essential, but really reward the people who seek them out. I feel like both of those are really important to, to a great open world game. Yeah, I agree. That's, yeah, having things to, not even just, like, cool things to find, but the act of finding them, if that's fun, yeah, then it makes it even more worth it. So yeah, I agree and, with that. And a lot of open world games have, like, the big secrets, like the multi-part secrets. Like, you'll find yeah. one piece of it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not even, like, a formally tracked as a quest. But it's like, you know that there's like a full armor set or something um, or pieces that create a weapon or or something. And it's kind of like a. A a completionist kind of thing where it's like, this is going to be hard to get, but we're going to really reward you if you take the time to do it. Um, One thing that I really like in open world games, but. I don't know if it's essential because I don't know if Assassin's Creed has this. Um, but I think it should. But I don't know how they would implement it at all. Uh, but similar to the secrets, the I am insignificant moments where like you see a huge enemy that you know that you're not prepared. Uh, yeah to like fight or or anything like that like or oh this will require like patience and time and like but i can also just kind of ignore it and do something else or run away from it if it's a scary boss or something like that but yeah um i think that really adds to the overall experience of like oh my gosh i went into this thing and it scared the crap out of me i had to get out of there immediately right and yeah. I, I feel like even fake open world games like uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus <laughs> has those moments in it to a degree where all you see is a big Pokemon that says level 50 when you're level 10. Uh, does, yeah. does Assassin's Creed have anything like that? I mean, the more RPG ones, like 
Origins Odyssey and Valhalla do have like higher level enemies. Okay. Um and like higher level areas, but the moment of like holy crap, there's something huge. I don't think there's good moments like that. It's just like you enter a town and you see that all the guards are really high level and you know I mean it Assassin's Creed does have like more of the stealth emphasis where it's like it kind of is a challenge can I sneak through and get what I want knowing I can't fight Yeah. so that is kind of another angle at that but I think overall no they don't really have what you're describing at least not that I remember Okay. Because there's not yeah. like large enemies in Assassin's Creed because they have yeah. to be people, you know? <laughs> but I feel like you don't have to do large enemies to make it intimidating. Right. And I, I feel like what you described is kind of what they could do to kind of right make that work. Yeah. Well, I like one aspect of that that is an Assassin's Creed is the idea of like part of what makes you feel like you're really living in the world is thinking I can't do this now, but I can, I can go get better and I can come back. Yeah. Um, that's definitely in there, at least in the, in the, in the RPG Assassin's Creeds. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting point. Cause yeah, I agree with both of you guys. Cause one of the things I've really enjoyed about Tears of the kingdom is going to places where I'm clearly not supposed to go yet. Yeah, and like just the monsters and enemies, everything just wreck me. But I'm like, but if I do it this way, I can sprint past them, or I can cheese it. And how many bombs can I throw at them? <laughs> and like right. doing that kind of stuff, it makes it a lot of fun. Um, and I'm also not forced to do that, which is fun too. Right. Um, and Elden Ring also is a great example of that, where they straight up after you get out of like the tutorial area, right? There's a an enemy it's called the tree sentinel and i'm sure a lot of people did the same thing i did where you get out you have the moment of like here's the open world you're like wow this is cool you see the erd tree is a big golden tree up in the sky and it's giant and you, you look down and there's this guy on a horse walking around and you're like that's the first guy i'm gonna go fight and you go down there fight him and then a giant health bar pops up and says tree sentinel and then he just wrecks you and you're like crap <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's the game teaching you hey you might run into stuff that's gonna destroy you in a hit or two you could probably just avoid it and you can sneak past them and then there's a church with a save point and a friendly merchant who talks to you and sells you cool stuff um or if you really want to be crazy you can sit there and fight him over and over again so you kill him and then you have that cool feeling too. Um, but one thing that I did notice, and I've noticed this in some videos, YouTube videos and stuff I watched. Um, I don't know if you guys watched the that Nakey Jakey one. Um, I did not but finish it. But... He brought this up about Elden Ring 2, where there is no enemy scaling. And there are some open world games. I think he mentioned Skyrim is one that has scaling, level scaling for all the enemies. So mm-hmm. everything's that consistent challenge the whole way through and Elden Ring does not do that and that can lead to kind of weird moments where you have a really tough enemy you struggle against them you can decide to keep fighting and trying over and over again or going somewhere else and leveling up and doing other cool things and stuff and doing that kind of stuff can lead you to going to areas you haven't been yet 
or finding content you missed or a dungeon you missed or whatever the case may be. And then you're just steamrolling everything because you're just so overpowered and everything there is underleveled. Um, I had that happen to me with, uh, what's his name? General Radon. Um, he's the big, he's in the trailers for Elden Ring. Um, he's the guy who fights Melania. So if anyone can remember, uh, it's like the winged helmet lady with the prosthetic mm-hmm. arm and the long sword. That's Melania. And he's she's fighting Radon. And he's the big guy with like huge, like curved swords. Um, when I fought him, I beat him in like two or three tries, I think. And I still had a ton of fun. It was still a really cool boss fight. And then I, you know, looked at some stuff online and was I just think I was curious. And then I found a guide and it was like, watch out for his arrows at the beginning because they can one or two shot you. And then I realized, oh, I was over leveled because he shot me a few times with those and I didn't die. I was like, oh, he's shooting at me. That's annoying. Like, <laughs> then I just kind of ran around him. Like, I, it was clearly overleveled by the time I got there, and I didn't realize it. So it's kind of interesting trying to find that balance in terms of a game design of, like, I don't know what you would do. Maybe you have, like, a soft uh, auto-level. What did I call it? I forgot the word. But soft scaling? Yeah, yeah. Level scaling. If you do, like, a soft level scaling, so they scale a little bit, but not completely with you the whole time. I don't know. I have no idea. I, a game designer that's smarter than me will figure that out one day. But I I like that feeling though. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, depending on who you are, yeah. that's a subjective thing I think cuz it could be disappointing be like, "Oh, if I had been here earlier, this would be more challenging, it would have been more satisfying." Or maybe you're one of the people who it's satisfying to get strong, especially in a game like Elden Ring where it's so yeah. much of the time it's hard. And then every once in a while it's kind of nice to go to a dungeon and be like, "Oh, this is Way back in the game, everyone, everything in here is super easy to get through. It can be nice, yeah. Yeah, and I, like I, I do. That's another thing in open world games I do like is there are challenges there, uh, and I, I guess Paul already kind of touched on this with this the uh, secrets thing, but if you if you find something hard to do, a lot of the times it's very rewarding. Mm-hmm. And like, if you find a really hard challenge, you kind of know, Oh, but if I do this, I will get, uh, I will get something good. That'll make it worthwhile to do this. And then I can go through and that, that guy who's been hard this whole time, I can finally get past him because I, I just couldn't do it before. Yeah. Um, this is one complaint I have in Tears of the Kingdom, actually. I am not motivated to get the chest in every shrine because I have been oft disappointed by my yeah. reward. You get, you get nothing yeah. out of those chests. Yeah. I've gotten like some stamina potions. I was like, okay, cook this myself. <laughs> <laughs> or like a bow that's worse than all your current bows. Yeah. I'm yeah. Like, oh, okay, I'm just going to leave this here. That happened to me in Breath of the Wild, though, too. Yeah, yeah, it happened to me a few times. Vegas, or you're like, I actually don't want this. Yeah, but they do motivate you a little bit to get the chest because if you get the chest, a little chest symbol appears next to the the shrine title. Yeah, and so part of me is like, oh, that means you got the chest. I thought that meant there was still a chest to find. Actually, I don't know. I th- I thought it was you got the chest because I think I saw it on ones I got. 
the chest. Mm. Yeah. We'll have to check the combat ones. Yeah. Because does that also happen if you open the chest, realize, oh, this is worse than everything I have, and then you leave it closed and leave the shrine, is it going to tell you you got the chest? I have been afraid of that, so I have dropped <laughs> something and made sure Taking everything and dropping it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Fair, yeah. That's funny. Okay. Oh, wait, but this is Breath of the Wild. Apparently in Breath of the Wild, the chest icon next to the name means you have opened every chest. Okay. So it's probably the same. Yeah. You've opened it. Okay. Um, um, I I I'm also sorry. want to mention uh, a genre of open world games I find interesting are um, superhero open world games because it seems like not only do they have the goal of this needs to be a good game, but they also have the goal of people have expectations of what this character is like, how he would feel to move, what his world is. I I don't, are there other examples besides superheroes of like existing property? I guess Star Wars is another where they haven't really made a Star Wars open world. Uh, I guess you can count yeah, no. Jedi Fallen Order, stuff like that. They're, yeah, they're not true open world, though. Yeah. There's the different worlds. Um, but uh, I feel like superhero ones have been the few, like Batman and Spider-Man, that have successfully, like, you want to be in Arkham, or not Arkham, in Gotham, we built Gotham and you can feel like Batman going around Gotham and yeah, that was their goal and they succeeded. And the side stories like add a lot to that, like mythos that, that has already been built. Right. And Spider-Man did really well. And that's something I really, those are the open world games. I think I have admired a lot more just because there's a lot more expectation that goes into an existing property um so i just want to shout that out yeah i mean not quite the same because it's not about the character but a big part of the assassin's creed games is accurately recreating the time and okay, the place yeah, yeah <clears throat> historical yeah accuracy, yeah yeah and so much so horizon is similar to that as well yeah uh, what would the western united states look like in a post-apocalyptic right. yeah thing yeah so i think yeah every open world game kind of carries with it expectations yeah and, and that's and that's part of the immersion is when when it matches the player expectation that's when they're like oh i really am here this is real because they, they included this detail that yeah. i that i is important to me uh, another one that is is related to this but a different angle on it is there was a lot of expectations about no man's sky because it was it was claiming this mm. is true space exploration this is a true galaxy um and you know it, it kind of fudges it because you have to light speed travel between galaxies but then once you're within a galaxy there are multiple planets and it is seamless like there's no loading screen. You go through the atmosphere, go to the ground, and then there's there was a lot of expectation about like what true space exploration is supposed to feel like, mm. 
and a lot of the story of No Man's Sky is is what they got right and wrong, and how they yeah. continually come closer to to the expectations <laughs> everyone had of of what it means to just explore space openly. Yeah. So it's not really a character or a place, but it's like an idea. No, that... It has to match the yeah. idea. Yeah. And that's one where they very specifically said what the idea was, and it didn't yeah. live up to that. Yeah. That's a good example. Um, yeah, it makes me wonder how Starfield's going to turn out. Yeah, sometimes I get kind of the same vibe. I don't remember how many planets they said. Were yeah, they be said in something it. about a thousand, like, didn't they? Something like that. And it just seems like so much. Um, over yeah. one thousand planets. Yeah, situated in over one hundred different star systems. Um. But hey, that we'll find of, out. We'll find yeah. out more in a week. That kind of brings me to my next point. Um, how do you guys think open world games are evolving? Because the first like full on traditional, this is an open world game. I think I probably played, or at least the series was Assassin's Creed. Probably specifically the second one. I don't know. I played the first one too, but the second one felt more open to me. And then I think it was Brotherhood where it was just Rome. It was just one map being Rome. Mm-hmm. That's the first time. And then, you know, that was like, I feel like the first series I played that was like, this is an open world game. And comparing, at least what I remember, because it's been a long time since I played those, but remembering how I remember those and what I play now in terms of open world games, specifically things like, uh, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom, and Elden Ring. Like, how do you think we've evolved? And, like, I feel like there's a trend going. I don't know how you guys feel, but there seems to be a trend of how open world games are changing a lot recently. I think I'll call them two schools of thought. And I'll call them, there's the Japanese formula and the Western formula. And the main difference between the Western formula and the Japanese formula is how much UI do we give you? Mm-hmm. And it feels like the Japanese formula, the Elden Rings and Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, it's give you less information, make you explore more. Yeah. And the Western style is don't waste my time Give me a list, and I'll finish the list, and I'll have fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, obviously the awards have gone to the Japanese style. But the Western style also still sells like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, but I think that's kind of the, how many icons do I give you? How much do I put on your map for you? Um, how much do I record for you? I feel like that's one of the main questions of open world games right now, and and people keep trying to find the right balance. Um, that's and I a, feel like, yeah, go for it. Uh, that's interesting to me because sometimes I feel like I am the checklist like person, as I right. explained before, <laughs> but I don't like Assassin's Creed. <laughs> Because it's not like organized. It's just like 
here's everything all at once. Right. Now slowly <laughs> pick it off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that is far more overwhelming to me than something like Tears of the Kingdom, where I'm going around and like I really have four icons that are blinking at the beginning of the game. I have a couple more. I've got a I've got lists, but I'm not worried about them. And then I get to the checklist portion towards the end of my experience where I'm like, okay, right. what else do I have left over after I've like kind of had fun and fully I, I feel like I need the hook of fun gameplay before I'm interested right. in the checklist portion of yeah. the uh that part of the game. So that that's an yeah. interesting observation. Oh, and I feel like in the middle is like Red Dead Redemption 2, which doesn't have as many icons on screen, but I feel like is more generous at giving you information when you ask for it mm. versus Elden Ring or Tears of the Kingdom. And even within Assassin's Creed, they have really changed like how much is on the screen while you're playing versus what's in menus. And Assassin's Creed really lets you customize the menus and, and that experience a lot. I think that's their approach is, well, you pick what you want to see. You know, we'll try to give you a less guided experience if you ask for it. Um, but, yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say, Curtis, that though it's it's a lot more simplified of an answer but i think the evolution of open world games right now is how can this be bigger than the last open world game <laughs> how can we make someone spend even more hours right. in the same map and just speaking of starfield like Hey, you wanted a big map? We've got a thousand full planets <laughs> yeah. ready to explore. You guys can be in this game for the rest of your life if you want to. All right. But yeah, that's it. Is, is that a good thing, though? I think for some people, yes. For some people, no. There's, there's definitely been debates about this. And I think yeah. it goes back and forth. So I think, I don't know, I think it's a bad thing where when that kind of thing happens and they give you all the icons and everything, the checklist, I, that's one thing I didn't really like about Horizon Zero Dawn as much sometimes. And I ended up just ignoring a lot of it, but it was kind of annoying when it would be like, I'd open a map and it felt like these icons were like, hey, you didn't do this yet. <laughs> you know, like just so many icons. And I was like, I know, I, I don't want to do that stuff. It doesn't seem very interesting to me, but I knew the things that were interesting to me, but I still had to like, you know, figure out where those icons were on the map that I wanted to go to amongst all the other icons. And it was just kind of too much for me. Um, <clears throat> whereas on the opposite end of the spectrum, something like Elden Ring, I think is a good example of, we're not gonna do anything essentially. And they're not really worried if you miss some dungeons or, you know, whatever, it's fine. Like they're not expecting you to go get a checklist and write down and like, you know, hit every single dungeon in every single area in order to see the whole game. They're not really worried about that. 
And I think I personally enjoy that more because it helps the sense of discovery where you're, it feels like you're finding things for yourself and you're making it into discoveries. Whereas <clears throat> when they just dump all the icons onto your map, then it's just telling you where to go and doesn't have the same kind of you know, exploration and discovery. But I do want to point out, and this is one thing, one gripe I do have with Elden Ring. Um, I don't know other people have said this too, but like some of the quests in that game, it's kind of fun when they're like, you talk to an NPC and they send something and you're like, okay, I got to go do this. I'm going to keep an eye out for this guy that they mentioned. And you find that. And like, there's one specific one where you meet this person and she's cool, whatever. She helps you in a boss fight and you're like, yeah, I like her. She's a cool character. And then you keep going and eventually you find this other guy and he's like, hey, I need you to give this potion to what's her name? I think it's like Nephili or something. And you're like, oh yeah, Nephili, I know her. I have no idea where she is. I never did find her. <laughs> and there's no way in the game to be like, where the heck is she? There's no way to find out without going online and Googling it. There's, as far as I know, there's no way to figure out. And NPCs in that game, as you progress their store, their quest lines, like you'll talk to them and then you'll be like, oh, I'm going to go do this now. And then they'll just sit there. And they don't move until you rest at a site of grace in that game at a checkpoint. And then, you know, the whole animation happens and you get up and then they're gone. Just, they're gone. And you're like, cool. And then you go to that place, but that place is huge. You don't know where they are. <laughs> it's just like, because it falls into that issue where I feel like it's fun when, you know, they let you figure things out for yourselves. But at the same time, when a character tells you, I'm going to go to this place and you still can't find them, I think it's an issue. And Elden Ring has that problem. So I feel like there's got to be a good balance somewhere. And I feel like the new Zelda's Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, I feel like do a pretty good job of that. Here's... But I'm curious to see if like the Western style is going to start progressing towards this Japanese style that Paul pointed out. Because I never made that connection that they're like, this is the Western style. The Eastern style. Right. I, I hadn't noticed that, but you're totally right. Um, one thing that I wish, just to kind of speak to how to solve that, and this would solve it for me. I don't know if it would solve it for everyone, but I, I like when a game doesn't necessarily say, like, here's all the icons, but it does kind of, like, feather it in where, like... Let's let's say Breath of the Wild for each of the regions or each of the, the areas that have a tower, like each map section, if it would if like after I beat the game, they said, Okay, now we're gonna give you these stats of in each region, here's how many side quests there are, and here's how many mm. Korok seeds there are. Mm. And then that way I had to do some like enough stuff where I discovered things. And even to go further, like, I would prefer if they said, like, okay, there is a Korok seed map in each region that you can find that you can go get after you've done a ton of stuff in the game where all you really have right. is Korok seeds. And you can just discover them, but for people who want to do everything in the game, I, I would prefer if they were, like, because I hated the mask in Breath of the Wild. That was just like, here's a mask so you can just continue to walk around for another 
3,000 hours and hope that right. it shakes when you're nearby. I I think that only applies when there's an exorbitant amount of collectibles, though. Yeah. Like, I think if it's well, less... I know Curtis is, like, concerned about this method <laughs> of a <laughs> thing, but I... There, part of me likes to get everything or think that I can. And the Korok seeds were one where I was like, I do not want to get this many because of how much work I would have to put into it. And I would rather play other things after I've done almost every other thing in the game. End of yeah, statement. Yeah, there is a problem with an open world games where when you start it, there's something to do like every five steps. Like it's so chock full, but you kind of open all the presents after a time. And then the problem you're describing, Ryan, like now it was like, you know, a few minutes between Korok seeds, but then there's only so many Korok seeds to find. So when you have, only 100 left versus 900 left, that density goes down, and so you're walking like an hour to find one. And and those are diminishing returns, and most players are going to abandon it. So I do agree that having some sort of you only have this many left, let me point you to where they are to keep it fun for you. <laughs> yeah. I, I I am of the school of thought that yes, there should be some mechanism to make it not just needle in a haystack yeah. at the end. And, it, uh, and I like what you're saying, like do some work up front, but eventually we'll say, okay, mm-hmm. you've found enough. Now find the final ones. Here's some hints. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think there's a balanced way to do that. Yeah, and I I think. One good example was Mario Odyssey, where if you started running out, like you didn't necessarily need to look it up online. You could pay the parrot. Right. Who would just be like, hey, check in this area. And then you could still have that like sense of discoverability, but be pointed in the right direction. But yeah. And you and you could ignore the parrot. Yeah, that's you wanted to. Yeah, I feel like that is important. If you want to ignore it, you can. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, I don't know. Because I do think that was a thing in Horizon Zero Dawn where it had all the icons. I remember the icons being on my map and you could sort, like filter it, Mm -hmm. which is great. But I wish it didn't show everything up front (laughs) to begin with. (laughs) Uh, Because then I felt like I was being forced to look at the the checklist, which I didn't really enjoy. But at the same time, I think some things like the Korok seeds, I don't, I don't want that personally, because <laughs> there's just so many of them. I feel like that defeats the purpose of, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they made the game to where <clears throat> one of the goals should be finding all of the Korok seeds, and they put so many in there so you could find them easily as you go about your adventure. But I think. Uh, what's the lady? There's a lady in Tears of the Kingdom. I don't remember her name, but she likes wells a lot. Have you met her yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I noticed you can talk to her 
and you'll tell her you can like oh she'll be like oh have you found any new whales and you can tell her and she's like oh that means there's this many left and she'll tell you a number of how many are mm-hmm. left which i thought was interesting um but there's not like 900 whales <laughs> in the game yeah. is the difference for me at that point I, I wasn't overwhelming when she was like oh there's like 30 left i'm like it's not too many i could probably find those and tell her about them um, whereas if someone, if I went to Hestu every time and gave him some croc seeds and he did his little dance, he's like, great, thanks. Oh, there's 800 left. If you could find those for me, and I'm like, yeah. no, Hestu, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't put that on me, man. <laughs> and that, that is interesting to mention because I believe for Breath of the Wild, they said, I feel like I read something where someone said, we put this many in this game and made the reward not as appealing because we didn't want people to find all of them. I could be making this up, but I feel like I read that somewhere. I'm, I feel like I've heard that too. Yeah. Because really, if you find all of them, all you get is like, I guess, the sense of accomplishment and bragging rights that you did do it. Yeah. But it gets to a certain point where you can you can only hold like how many like weapons and bows and shields do you need to carry at one time yeah. i feel like you get to the point where you just have so much stuff that it doesn't really matter yeah but it what's interesting to me is i just don't understand that like i don't understand why you i i guess you want people to just happen upon them and not worry about it mm-hmm. but i feel like most game designers put stuff in because they want people to see the puzzles they've created and experience like yeah. all the stuff they've wanted. And I, I like experiencing everything that someone put work into. And so it's interesting that they deliberately designed it knowing that their work wasn't going to be, I guess it is appreciated, but it's just inter- like I feel like most people like kind of hope, oh, I put all this work into this game. I hope people see every nook yeah. and cranny of this. And so it is interesting that there are open world games designed like specifically so there's just enough to experience and create that experience amongst different people and people can experience it different ways, which is cool. I like the checklist to an extent. I would yeah. prefer if I could experience it all. <laughs> I think that's fair, but yeah, I don't know. Cause for me, I guess, I guess it's just subjective again and what you want to get out of an open world game. Cause I personally think it's way more satisfying to explore and discover things on my own without being told where to go or what to do. And if I'm just having fun going around in the world and it's just great and like, oh, what's that over there? And you go over and find something cool and you're like, holy crap, like, I didn't know that was going to be in this game. All that kind of stuff. Um, that's why I'm like, I know I feel like I'm a little weird about spoilers and something like Tears of the Kingdom and Elden Ring. Because hearing that an enemy exists in this game before I ever see it is kind of a bummer sometimes. And seeing it for the first time just naturally happening in the world, and you're like, what the heck is that thing? That, to me, is a way better payoff, and that moment alone is totally worth it. And, um, yeah, And but, Ryan, you're right. That, that runs the risk of players 
there's a huge majority of players who just are not going to see a lot of the game. So I guess you got to be comfortable if you're making a game like that. Like, yeah, people are going to miss things, but that's fine. And I know, like, from software specifically, I has been doing this kind of thing for a long time. Um, in the original Dark Souls, there's a whole area that you can just straight up miss, and it's got unique enemies and a whole boss fight in there and it's like very different from anything else in the game like the whole environment's very different and if you don't find it you just you just finish the game there's a couple areas like that and there's nothing pointing you to it um i think one's literally hidden behind a wall and you hit it and then it just keeps going down you're like the heck (laughs) but when you find it it's like I had no idea this was here, and then it just keeps going. And Elden Ring had so many moments like that, and I can think of a lot of them where I was like, "That was really cool," and I found that. Um, but then it makes me worry too. If I tell someone about that, then I might ruin that experience of them finding and discovering for their own for themselves. You know? Yeah, and I, I guess that is a classic game thing: hide stuff that only a few people will see, and that creates like a unique experience. Um, but this, this has made me wonder about a question I wanted to ask both of you guys based off of this, based off of what Curtis just said about wanting to discover this on your own, uh, where I think I do have that sense. And I do think that's why I like the open world games I've played is no matter what, there is something unique you will discover before the people you're talking to or before you see it online or anything like that. Um, But how much of open world experiences for you guys is the discussion around it? Because just speaking to Tears of the Kingdom, there's a few people playing at work right now None of us have spoiled anything story-wise, but I do like what everyone calls the playground discussion or the water cooler discussion of, oh, have you gotten to this part yet? Or did you see this shrine yet? Or, oh, I've been looking for this for a long time. Have you had any luck looking for this? Like, Yeah. I really enjoy that sort of conversation where everyone is playing the same huge gigantic game and everyone's having a different experience and you find out, Oh, you can do this in this game. Um, do you guys like that part about open world games? (laughs) (laughs) Or do you, do you prefer Curtis to kind of like make sure no one says anything to you or. Well, here, I think I, I think I know. <clears throat> now that I'm thinking this through more, maybe why I'm more sensitive to that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, because I think the issue is the playground talk or the water cooler talk is really great and everything, and I really would like to be a part of that. But it feels like all of that discussion now happens online, mm-hmm. and when I go to something like Twitter or something, yeah, there's going to be someone who, oh, the game's been out for a weekend. I've already beaten it and played 100 hours. And I'm like, I've played five. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, and <laughs> they're going to be talking about stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I can't keep up with you. I have nothing to offer, like, contribute to this conversation. All that's happening is you telling me all the cool stuff that you found. And that's kind of diminishing. It's going to diminish 
my experience when I find that stuff. Like, I'd rather not know. I don't know. You know what I mean? But if ideally, if everyone progressed at the same speed, but everyone's going like different directions and stuff, that would be really interesting to talk about. Like, oh yeah, I went this way first and I found this there. Like, oh, that's really cool. Maybe I'll go there next. And that'd be really cool. But the way that literally like the whole world can talk about these kinds of games at the same time, but everyone's going to be playing at different um, speeds. It kind of changes that conversation. Yeah, that's fair. And and I think it's just made me overly sensitive to where if I talked with you guys about it more openly, and I, I probably wouldn't have any issue with it, but now I'm like so... <laughs> no, no, no. That, that so totally paranoid. And I, I do feel like we have talked off pod about different yeah. things, and it's been great. And I, I'm not as much on Twitter or anything, and so... I haven't seen yeah. probably best things. that way. <laughs> I feel like I should be off Twitter more. But Paul, you strike me as a man who loves the the discussion. But oh yeah, if I'm wrong. I mean, I love the discussion about all games. You know, as much as the game itself, it's the discussion. You know, yeah. I mean, it's why I do this that we're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. What I really want to talk about is this is getting me thinking. Because another thing that people discuss. And they can discuss because they're all progressing at the same pace is like episodic TV shows, right? Like, yeah, we can all discuss what happened this week. Sorry, I was going to say that's why I don't like Netflix shows a lot of the time because they dump the whole season. Right. And then there's people, and or even like episodic thing bugs me because they're like, okay, it drops at midnight. And then I'm like, oh, I got to go to bed, dude. And then right. <laughs> that's why I got turned off the Mandalorian. Anyway. <laughs> but it makes me wonder like, I know episodic games have been tried, but it would be really interesting to me, like an open world game <laughs> that that areas unlock. I guess this is like an MMO at that point, but it like you only get the tutorial area the first week, and then it like unlocks <laughs> another part. I mean, but that also defeats the point of open world games, right? Because everyone wants to go different directions. Um, but I'm just trying to think like, how could you get the best of both worlds? You know, like how do you make something instantly discussable? but free and explorable. Yeah. I, I, think I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if there's a good balance I don't know. that can be found. I Beyond honestly... like the clock. <laughs> <laughs> you can play 10 hours a week, kids. Yeah, it shuts <laughs> off. Yeah, they just go talk about it. I really do think that the way people are thinking about it is in terms of open world games the more content we pack into a game, the longer it takes for people to get to everything, the more time you have to kind of freely explore and not worry about. And like, I maybe, maybe uh, websites are more privy to how long it takes people to get to certain places uh, at certain points and stuff. Cause I once I got the Master Sword in Tears of the Kingdom, that was the same day 
I saw an article that said how to get the master sword in Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> and like, I've right. seen a lot of like timing wise, like, oh, people are talking about this thing that I did the other day. Is that coincidence? Does the algorithm know me more than I want to believe? <laughs> Tracking your switch. Yeah. <laughs> um, and maybe that is a future thing, actually. Having track like the having the game track where you are and sending that feed to websites so they know which connect your IGN account exactly yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah uh just to let you guys know we're four minutes away from a two hour episode oh man that was seriously yes uh just like open world games yeah. yeah. I mean, you play and play. He'd be like, "Oh, wow, <laughs> quick two hours." Uh, I do have a game, but we yeah, can, I want to get there. We can make an executive. We we can also keep talking. I got time. No, nah, I, I think we can get to the game. I don't know. Yeah. It, well, one one final thing I want to say. I actually think the best episodic game ever made is Wordle. <laughs> I think. That is actually yeah. the best implementation so far of a game that has a little bit, and then everyone go talk about it. Then a little bit, then everyone go talk about it. And even if you get a spoiled for you, which is a bummer, that's but it's a new one tomorrow. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. a good. Yeah. I mean that that's so far from an open world game. <laughs> It'd be interesting to have like a daily open world like procedurally generated but it's the same for everyone every day uh, and it's like what can you find today and so it's not like an mmo but it's like here's the world today and everyone goes and plays it and what secrets can you find today and then then it's gone tomorrow so we can all talk about it because i can't go do it that would be interesting Every Let day us a know. shrine drops from the sky in Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess a lot of games do have the daily runs and right stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's true. So. Yeah. There could be a way to do that in an open world game. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. If you have thoughts on this, let us know in the Discord. Yeah. Or email us. Yeah, I have so one more question. Game. Okay, go ahead. Before we get to the game, sorry. Um, just because I do think it's interesting. I feel like all these Japanese games like Zelda and stuff have looked at Western open world games and taken, you know, some inspiration from those and vice versa. So what do you, let's not say what do you think is going to change in the future, how they're going to evolve, but how do you want them to evolve? What do you want to see in the, another open world game, like a trend? I I guess I'll start this off by saying something that I meant to bring up. I generally don't like open world games. <laughs> <laughs> I I have been speaking very positively about them because when there's an open world game I like, I do really like it. Yeah. But I I think a lot of times those large hour counts are deterrents for me. Because it just is kind of saying, here's how much time you have to spend in this game, 
but there's 5,000 other really cool games coming out that you are missing out on during that time, and it's hard to balance, like, which one. And that's not the main reason, but, like, I think I just generally don't have time for these, like, 100-hour experiences as much as I did uh, mm-hmm. earlier on in my life. Um, and so... I don't know. I don't really feel like there's a good way to balance that out. And so I prefer something like a Tears of the Kingdom or a Spider-Man that either really evolves like the story in the world that I want to kind of immerse myself in or has insane mechanics that allow you to do whatever. And like like there is a story I can play. I I guess that is a big thing for me is the story. Like if I don't want to immerse myself in that world, but I want to experience the mechanics, at least there's a cool story that I can play through and experience the worlds and then do as much extra stuff as I want until I kind of uh, trail off. But I don't know. I really like how Tears of the Kingdom does have, and Breath of the Wild. The mechanics are so versatile, and the world is so catered to the mechanics of the game that it's just fun. Like I like a, a game that just feels fun to play, which is really dumb to say. <laughs> <laughs> but like an open, like I'm less interested in something like horizon which i i did like because the story was so engaging but i was kind of disheartened by the four hour long boss battles that required me to just kind of like poke and stab and then run away and then like be like okay how do i let me try every mechanic to try to get rid of this armor and even then, it still takes a long time. Um, which I mean, not four hours though, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> not four hours. There were there were like, a, a, there were a few that were just longer boss battles than normal, and they right. weren't like they were cool, but they weren't like fun to play. It was more of like it just felt like a long time oh. because of all the stuff I had to kind of sift through and like figure out and then die and then redo it for like, even if it was only 20 minutes, if I died once during a 20 minute boss battle, I was like, man, I might be doing this for an hour if I die one more time. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so like, I like horizon because of the world and like, because of a lot of the cool stuff, but even though the story's not in as engaging a game like Spider-Man where it just like feels fun to swing around and like I feel cool doing it. I think that's what I'm looking for in open world games for me personally is I want to I want to spend more time having fun playing the game than I do interacting with the story and stuff even though I love the stories. I don't know. 
I give a mm-hmm. lot of tangents, but I think when it comes down to it, I'm more attracted to fun gameplay than I am a good story. I'm done. Um, um, you go. Uh, my main thing that I want out of open world games is uh, evolution of traversal. I feel like we've already had a lot. I feel like that was the the greatest promise of Forspoken was the super cool traversal. And then apparently that game didn't turn out very good overall. But one of the things that really got me excited about Spider-Man 2 was how fast you can get while yeah. swinging. Thank you, SSD. Um, I-, I want more more evolution in traversal that leads to more evolution in in other game objectives other than kill the thing or fight the people. Um, and Tears of the Kingdom has really upped the ante with crafting. And I feel like other people are going to try real hard. And I wonder if they will succeed or not. But that is obviously going to be the thing that people try to steal from Breath of the Wild. And I think that's going to be the next trend of open world games is crafting. Even though crafting has always been a thing, but this is like true crafting, right? Like take elements, stick them together rather than I have call it building. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than I have ingredients and it makes a thing like off screen as like now we're actually combining elements in the world. I feel like that's going to be the next big trend after Tears of the Kingdom. And I and some people will do it well. <clears throat> some people will crash and burn hard. <laughs> do you think they got in Tears of the Kingdom? Do you think they got this idea from another open world game called Fortnite? <laughs> I mean, I think it's more my. I think it's more <laughs> Minecraft. Yeah, that's it, true. It's more Minecraft than Fortnite. But yes, we've been dancing around this in several games. Yeah. Right. Fallout Four. Uh, was it four? I think so. Had had like the whole building system. Yeah, I think um, you're right. I mean, yeah, I feel so... like Lego games try have tried many times to like say like, yeah, it's like building Legos in real life. But I really feel <laughs> like in Tears of the Kingdom, I'm building Legos the whole time. Yeah, yeah, they're just better Legos. Yeah, than <laughs> yeah than other games have had. So yeah, it's it's an idea that's been floating, and we've been poking and prodding at it, and Tears of the Kingdom really nailed it. And so now people are going to be like, okay, that's the standard. Um, that's the new glider. Every game had to have a glider after Breath of the Wild. Yeah. <laughs> now every game is going to have to have combining. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that actually kind of... I think my my wish is maybe the opposite, actually. I would like for these 
open world games to each kind of find their own niche mm. what makes them unique and hone in on that more yeah because when i think of like some of the best open world games that come out like i mean tears of the kingdom and elden ring are they have some similar ideas in terms of like oh you're exploring and discovering cool things but they're doing they're also focusing on very different things like elden ring is all about combat and building a character um <clears throat> And, you know, finding cool spells and weapons and building the character you want, which is really cool. Zelda is not about that. It's exploring and building things and crafting and all that kind of stuff that we already talked about. And, like, their whole physics system is incredible. And that's not in Elden Ring, but that doesn't mean Elden Ring's worse or better or whatever the case. You know, they're both open world games. They have similar ideas, but they wanted to focus on different things and that... <clears throat> They focused on those things and did them really well. And I think that what makes them just some of the best games ever made. Um, whereas I think when I kind of look at like, I don't know, like I played Horizon Zero Dawn. And then I looked at like, what was it called? Ghost of Tsushima. And I kind of looked yeah. at them and I thought, talked about that yet. they look, they just looked really similar to me. <laughs> and it made me feel like I don't really know if I want to play Ghost of Tsushima because it's going to be a lot of hours and it looks like a game that I've already played. Is it worth putting all that time into it just to end up with a similar experience? And I ended up kind of deciding no because they look too similar to me. You know, I couldn't tell the difference or like what the hook was. You know, I think all these games need to find their hook. Yeah, and I, I and think another sometimes another example of that is I feel like. The most successful open world games find their hook. And yeah. Like, you look at Red Dead Redemption 2, their hook was this is as close to real life as a video game can get. <laughs> Cowboy simulator <laughs> to the max. Yeah. Man. <laughs> and so I do kind of feel like that is the recipe for the more successful yeah. open world games is what have you not seen before? How can we make the sense of discoverability new and fresh again, mm-hmm. other than packing more stuff in. Yeah. And I think that goes with the superhero thing that you mentioned earlier, Ryan. Like it the the cliche, it makes you feel like Batman. It makes yeah. you feel like Spider Man. I was like, yeah, I, I I did feel like Spider Man and I yeah. really enjoy <laughs> feeling like Spider Man. Thank you. <laughs> That's what made that great. Because other than that, I had the whole icons on the map we'll here clear this building out of all the bad guys here's all the crimes happening like you know like a lot of that kind of i was like oh, this is getting maybe a little bit old but it's still so much fun to swing around that city and find stuff to do and yeah. that just made it fun and they really honed in on that and i think between like the traversal and the combat and that game yeah that's how spider-man would get around and that's how spider-man would fight and deal with problems and they did a good job there so yeah yeah i think the hook of a lot of these games is the theme and that's just not a hook for you curtis Mm. like a big part of the whole premise of ghost of tsushima was assassin's creed won't give you ninjas and samurai so we're just gonna do it they will (laughs) and i mean there are some mechanical differences and things but yeah and i'm sure there are but for a lot of open world games, the hook is the theme and the world, and then gameplay is secondary. Um, 
and and that's why Tears of the Kingdom and Elden Ring click so much because I think they flip that. They're like, mm-hmm. we'll use the theme as an excuse, like whatever, but we really want to we want to make this game, and we'll we'll dress it up to sell it, but <laughs> yeah. but we're making a game first. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Anyway, gliders are cool, <laughs> and. I do think a lot of games are going to have more gliders in them. And I might even say that not every glider is going to need, or every game is going to need a glider. And I hope not everyone's like, we got to have a glider in here. Because that's what's cool. That's all. I wish but. that we had the ability to clip audio live. So we could just have a sound clip. It's like, anyways, gliders are cool. <laughs> gliders are cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right, Ryan. Are you guys ready for this game? Yeah, let's do it. Sorry, at that was supposed to be a quick question, and then it was another thirty minutes. That is the essence of chance time. (laughs) All right, this game is called HLTBOHLTLAS, which stands for "How Long to Beat" or "How Long to Learn a Skill." (laughs) i have pulled a list of games and how long the average amount of time to beat the main story is not main and sides not complete it just the main story i have also done intensive research to try to figure out the average amount of time it takes to learn certain skills. I will be giving you both of these things and you guys have to decide which you think will take more and which which do you think takes longer to beat, I guess is what you're guessing. Um, <laughs> if you guess the same thing, we will have tiebreakers where you guess the amount of hours, I guess. I don't really know. Okay. Um, okay. You, we'll we'll figure that out when it comes to it. Um, are the rules clear? Are we ready? Let's do it. Okay. The first question is: Which takes longer? Does it take longer to beat Farming Simulator nineteen, or <laughs> does it take longer? to learn how to play the guitar. And keep in mind, when I say learn how to make these skills, it is the average amount of time to have basic comprehension of these skills. And the research was not... It was comprehensive, and I spent many long hours researching this, but... uh, this is based on my own personal research of the first three <laughs> responses Google gave me. And <laughs> so it might not be accurate. Uh, Fair enough. Curtis, let's start for you. Let's start with you. What do you think? Okay, I was going to ask, do you want us to like buzz in or? Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll um, have you both guess and we'll see what happens there. I'm going to guess farming simulator 19 is longer. All right. Paul, but if it's Farming Simulator 20, it'd be a different story. <laughs> okay. 
I'll go the opposite. I'll go guitar. Guitar. All right. I'll just give you guys the answers at the end. The next one. Okay. Does it take longer to beat Untitled Goose Game? Or does it take longer to learn how to juggle? Uh, we will... I'll go first. Yeah. Sorry. Or Paul, we'll go. We'll start with you. I feel like learn how to juggle isn't that hard. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's go with learn how to. Wait, am I guessing what takes longer? Yeah. What right? What takes longer? Title Goose Game is pretty short, though. I'll go with learn how to juggle. It takes longer. All right. I'm going to say the same thing. Okay. Does it take longer to beat Genshin Impact? Or to learn how to surf? <laughs> um, Curtis, we'll start with you. Keep in mind, main story. Yeah, this is main story, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to say surfing. Curtis is surfing. I was also thinking surfing. Takes... You can, you can no, say the same no, 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 sorry. Lo yeah, longer. It's longer. Genshin, does Genshin Impact have an end? <laughs> this is, also keep in mind, this is the score from hltb.com. All right, I'm going to go with yeah, so Genshin Impact. Average amount of people who said... This All I know is Genshin, Genshin Impact takes over lives, so I'm going to go with Genshin Impact. Genshin Impact. Yeah. All I right. feel like that's a trick question. Does <laughs> it take longer to beat Red Dead Redemption 2 or learn how to drive a car? Oh, wait, is it my turn? I think it's your, uh, yeah, you yeah. Get you go for a I'll go. I'll go with Red Dead. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> All so right. The course can only go so fast. It's very realistic. <laughs> I think you actually have to learn how to ride a horse in that game before you can start riding a horse, right? That's, that's fair. <laughs> that's how realistic it is now. <laughs> um, keep in mind. For all of these, you may contest the amount of hours that I decided were the average amount of hours. <laughs> um, all right. Does it take longer to beat The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild or learn how to fly a plane? <laughs> I believe My first this time? start with you, Curtis. Yes. Man. I'm going to say how to, what kind of plane? Uh, <laughs> does that matter? I, I believe I went for private aircraft license. Oh, okay. Uh, which was what was listed a lot in the research. Um, oh, excuse me. 
I'm going to say Breath of the Wild. Curtis's Breath of the Wild. Uh, I'm going with Airplane. I'm going opposite. Plane. Paul? All right. What takes longer to beat? Xenoblade Chronicles 3? Or <laughs> getting your black belt? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> black belt in karate, of course. Oh, not Taekwondo. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is it me? Uh, yes. I gotta go with Black Belt. I mean, that's like a huge commitment. Paul goes with Black Belt? Curtis? Xenoblade Chronicles 3? <laughs> that's where you're going with? Is that what you that was the game? Yeah, right? that, that was Sorry. the game. Ooh, I'm gonna go with Xenoblade. Alright, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And the final item. Is it longer to beat Mega Man 6 or learn how to solve a Rubik's Cube? <laughs> <laughs> Rubik's Cube. Alright, Curtis says. Uh, I already said it. All right, Curtis is Rubik's Cube. Okay, I'll go with Mega Man. Mega Man. I think it might be Mega Man, though. All right. Uh, We're going to go through each of these. Farming Simulator versus Guitar. Farming Simulator 19 takes 113 hours to beat the main story. (laughs) That is the average. The Guitar. According to my Google research, to be have basic <clears throat> guitar down, it takes 312 and a half hours. What? Oh, wow. Okay. Look, you well, can I contest any of these. That's, that's uh, somewhat comforting, actually. That seems like way too many hours. It does. To me. But that is what Google told me was basic guitar, not an expert. Basic guitar. I think it's enough to kind of probably read music by sight. Um, I wasn't thinking about reading music. I mean, that's what I'm just saying now. (laughs) (laughs) This game is flawed. We'll just say that. That's okay. (laughs) All right, Paul, you got one point. Untitled Goose Game takes three hours to beat. Juggling takes 15 minutes to learn from a variety of sources. (laughs) (laughs) I was was surprised. I know I tried to juggle for at least 15 minutes of my (laughs) lifetime, and I still can't do it. A lot of places said like 15 minutes to a few hours, but more places said 15 minutes and just 15 minutes that I considered that the average. I must be really bad at juggling then. Uh, so no one gets any points there. Both of you guys said juggling. <laughs> Genshin That's Impact. Hilarious. The main story takes 57 and a half hours. Surfing, 50 hours to learn. Oh, that's close. Uh, so, Paul, you're on the board once again. All right, you both said Red Dead Redemption 2, which takes 50 hours. 
to be the main story, according to the average. Uh, to learn to drive, this one you might contest me on, 65 hours, 45 I hours think... worth of lessons, and 20 hours worth of practice is what I was seeing, was the kind of the average of... Okay, okay. <laughs> I feel like that one was going to be pretty solid, honestly. Like, in terms of a number of hours. Mm, yeah. Doing research on that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because, you know, to get a license and everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's someone really mainline in Red Dead. I'm pretty sure I have more time than that. And I do not think I am close to finishing the story. Yeah. Stopped. And so, yeah, we always have to keep in mind, this is how many people said right. they finished it and who mainlined the story, who didn't. Hard to say. Yeah. All right. Breath of the Wild. The main story average was 50 hours. Learning to fly a plane. 65 hours. Close to. Yeah. So, mm. Paul, that's your third point, Curtis. <laughs> You're trailing behind. Wow. I don't have any getting, points, do I? <laughs> getting <laughs> lucky here. <laughs> Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, the main story, 62 hours. Black Belt, 2,250 hours. Yeah, okay. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, Paul, you got another point with that one. 2,000? <laughs> Holy cow. Again, please uh, email us at chancetimepodcast.gl.com if you think some of these ad- numbers are inaccurate. <laughs> Uh, and the final one, Mega Man 6, takes two and a half hours to beat. <laughs> Rubik's Cube, three hours to learn. Curtis, you got it. Oh, really? Point. Yeah, wow. I'm <laughs> I've definitely tried for more than three total hours to learn Rubik's Cube, but I guess it wasn't like all like dedicated. I'm going to learn it. It's been like sporadic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was HLTBO, HLTLAS. <laughs> I feel like that, that one could return easily. <laughs> it could, but it is kind of hard to say how long it takes to learn a skill. And a lot of times it's not quantified in hours. Right. Funny. That was great. A new a new chance time classic. Thank you for your for your efforts here. You're very welcome. Alright, well I expect us all to be professional jugglers by the the next episode. We could learn within an episode. Yeah. Which is longer to record a chance time episode or learn to juggle. I mean that one I believe because at a job I had in high school, we had like softballs there. And one of my shifts, I just practiced juggling. And I, I feel like I got it pretty fast. So I know how, like, how to do it. I just can't make my hands do it right. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I know how the balls are supposed to go up in the air, and I know where I'm supposed to catch them and everything, but I can't physically do it. Mm. So, I don't know, man. Well, you're you're the person who who brings the average up. 
<laughs> I'm the outlier. So you got to clock it in more so it turns into 20 minutes or something like that. Everyone's learning at like five. I'm bringing it up to 15. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Email us at chancetimepodcast at gmail.com if you learned how to juggle in 15 minutes. Um, or join our Discord to tell us how good you are at juggling. Um, anything else? Thanks for coming to see James. Point is, talk to us. Talk to us about juggling, please. <laughs> please. That's the main point we're getting across. <laughs> also, almost at two and a half hours, maybe our longest episode. No. Our open world episode. Oh, we I did it. We've done three hours before. Like three yeah. Hours. Yeah. yeah. It's an open world episode. You knew what you were getting into when you started if this. any episode should be longer, it should be this one. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't experience it correctly if you didn't skip to random times within the yeah. episode. Did you fast travel to the game segment? <laughs> cool. Right. Well, yeah. great. Bye. <laughs> See you later. Bye.